Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the internet's most explosive comic book and pop culture podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is Chris Sims. With me, as always, is Matt Wilson. Matt, 
How are you today, buddy? Chris, we talked about it before we started recording. I'm a little tired. I know you are too, but we are going to gut this out. We, we're gonna we're gonna tough it out. We're gonna grit. We're really gonna put the hammer down and get through this, talking to each other for the next ninety odd minutes. That's right, because we have a great guest. We have a fantastic it is, show. It is the most difficult thing anyone has or can do. I would say. I would say so. It we truly suffer to create this art, but we have a wonderful guest on the show. This week, Marco Stack is here to talk about his new Kickstarter project uh, that is going to be a very fun time. And people should go over to Kickstarter and back it right now to ensure that they can read it uh, when it is all printed up and ready to go. Uh, The comic is called The Relentless Adventure. It's a crossover between two indie superheroes. And we're going to talk to Mark about... Crossing over those characters, bringing the crossover to life, the idea of superheroes just hanging out in comic books. Uh, it's going to be very fun to talk to Mark. I am very excited about it. I think it's going to be a good time, and I don't think that I'm going to get angry over the course of the interview at all. About, why about, about Pokemon. About an imaginary dog. <laughs> Not the only imaginary dog we're going to be talking about this episode, by the way. I would say, among the primary things that I care about in this world, dogs, both real and imaginary. You know what? Good things to care about. Good things to care about. Before we get into our conversation with Mark, we do have some business to take care of. The first little bit of business here at the top of the show that we always do is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now, these are the people who have gone all the way down to 650 Gimmick Street. Matt, if this was the 90s, this would be an anniversary issue. That's true. Any round number. Any, <laughs> it was any, an anniversary any, issue. Zero. Yeah. In, That's in right. In the 90s, baby. <laughs> but you know what's down at 650 Gimmick Street. It's the costume shop with the new robotic costume that costumes that we wear. Yes, Exactly. I mean, for six costume shop, you, you you mean you don't you don't mean like a spirit Halloween. You mean like a Paul Gamby Taylor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a permanent yeah. costume shop that's there year round. Last week there was a a moat of some kind. There was a body of water. There was a river. There was a river. It was a, it was a river, and it was yeah. an island. It was like an it island in the lake. stream. That's what we are. It might have been a lake. There was a bait know, and tackle a shop from that. I was up on the bridge. <laughs> the geography is getting... I know we said we were going to cut this bit and we were going to stop doing it, but you know what? It's the only thing that gives me joy in this terrible earth. Yeah. That's not true. Sometimes, sometimes the show's just for us. Sometimes the show's just for us, which is really counterproductive when we're trying to get people to go to patreon.com slash Ajax where they can kick in as little as a dollar a month to help us keep making these jokes that amuse primarily you and I. And most importantly, that helps us pay those gimmicks that keep sending in the mail called bills. That's right, Chris. And we have some new patrons to thank. Maybe they like the gimmick hey. street. The gimmick street bit. It uh, must have been for- wake up, wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month recently. It was indeed. Uh, first up, we have Isaac. Ah, thank you, Isaac. Next, Michael the Street. Thank you, Michael the Street. 
Leroy Colson. Thank you, Leroy. And Patrick Curry. Thank you, Patrick. If you would like to be like any of those people I just named, Isaac, Michael Street, Leroy, and Patrick, you can head over to patreon.com slash Ajax and like them, kick in as little as $1 a month to make sure that we keep doing this show weekly, that we do Comics Catch-Up every month, and we're soon to do Comics Catch-Up for September. Uh, we are going to be celebrating Jack Kirby's birthday after Jack Kirby's birthday, but not too far after. His birthday is near the end of August. Um, so we're going to be talking about uh, Captain Victory on Comics Catch-Up uh, very soon. The Every Story Ever special every month. Movie Fighters and Snack Situation, even though Movie Fighters is on strike. Um, all of those shows are made possible by your support on Patreon. Uh, and as a patron, you get every single one of those shows I just mentioned completely ad-free with no ads whatsoever uh, on those shows. Also, as a patron, you can get other cool stuff like bonus content, which includes bonus audio that we record sometimes, outtakes that I might cut out of the show when the show goes long, writing that is over there exclusively on the Patreon. Chris has been doing a number of video game reviews over there uh, over the past few years, and they are all there for you to read. Um, I've written a couple of things over there, but most of the writing that's over on the Patreon exclusively is written by Chris, and you should go check it out. It is really good stuff over there. You can also get line-stepping privileges for Every Story Ever and currently our segment Thursday Night Raw. You can get physical rewards like t-shirts. All that stuff is over there on the Patreon. If that sounds cool to you and like something you would want and be interested in, um, patreon.com slash Ajax is the place to go. If you are unable to help us monetarily, you can help us out in other ways. You can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you know the spots. Or you can just spread the word about the show, tell your friends, tell people on social media, hey, go check out this podcast. It is fun to listen to. And the gimmick street bit is good, actually. I said it. If you don't like the gimmick street bit, you have to give us $15. (laughs) With that, Chris, it's time for some checks and recs. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what would you like to check in with this week? Matt, you know what I have uh, coming up this weekend? Uh, For the first time in a hot minute? Please let me know. I'm doing a convention. I'm doing a con, buddy. I have a con coming up at the end of this month. Um, my first one in a very long time as well. Uh, I have not done – this This will be the first con I've done since COVID, so don't be surprised if you are there and you see me wearing a mask. Uh, and it's not only am I doing a con, I'm doing a very interesting con. Uh, it is, it's not actually uh, billed as a convention. It is called the Uncanny Experience, and it is uh, an immersive experience uh, – devoted to the x-men so uh i i had some questions when i was first told about it like i couldn't really figure out i was like okay is this a larp is it a con is it something different and it's it's kind of a hybrid it's there is as much uh immersion as you want to have 
uh, but it is all taking place at a, uh, a very X-Mansion-like building uh, here in Minneapolis. Uh, the guests will be uh, guest lecturers at the Xavier School, so I'm actually going to be doing a, uh, a lecture on uh, the history of villainy with regards to the X-Men, which I think is going to be very fun because you can pretty much, you know, break X-Men villains down into four groups and you've got, you know, uh, evil mutants uh, of varying degrees of evil, uh, racists and their racist robots, mm-hmm. uh, aliens, and Dracula. Right. <laughs> and that's pretty much it. I guess there's other miscellaneous weirdos too, so that would be the fifth. Uh, that'll be the fifth group. But a lot uh, of the miscellaneous sure, uh, weirdos are mutants, though. That's true, like, but like Arcade is a miscellaneous weirdo, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That that tracks. Yeah. I, I'm trying to. I've got to make like a, a. Actually, I don't know if I have to do this, but I'm going to make like a PowerPoint presentation this weekend uh, before the convention, and uh, I'm trying to decide. If it is worth it to my sanity to go full Jonathan Hickman uh, on it, and I, now that I've said that in public, I might make myself do it, but I'm probably not going to do that. That seems like a lot of work to be Jonathan Hickman, uh, if you are not already Jonathan Hickman. But uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to have uh, copies of the newest paperback of the X-Men comics that I co-wrote with Chad Bowers. I'm going to have uh, some other stuff as well, some Deadpool, some uh, downset fights and sword quests, if, if people are interested in those. Uh, and uh, oh, also, uh, Chris Claremont is going to be there. So if you like the X-Men, hey. that might be worth checking out. You going to go meet the Mont? I, la- last time I was at a convention with the Mont, I believe you were with me. And I was like, I was sore afraid to go, to go talk to Chris Claremont. So, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. I no, think we're basically you the same guy, right? Like, I've done peers. all that stuff. Yeah, you're peers now. We've both written at least 14 issues of X-Men. That's right. The exact same, yeah. Uh, so that's called The Uncanny Experience. You can find it uh, if, you, if you search for it. They're on Instagram. they got a website. Uh, it's going to be really fun. I'm very excited. There's going to be like a, like a Hellfire Club-style gala for uh, people... Uh, to determine who the new Queen of the Hellfire Club is, which should be very fun. A lot of cosplay that I'm really excited about seeing. Uh, and hopefully I will entertain people with a conversation about why Dracula is in fact an X-Men villain. Uh, Matt, what are you up to this week? Well, Chris, it is the first... Week of September, I guess technically by the time this episode comes out, the second week of September. And last weekend was Labor Day weekend, so it is unofficially fall. That means county and state fairs. I believe the Minnesota state fair has already happened, right? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. The great uh, Minnesota our, getaway, I believe, just ended. Okay. Our... Uh, county slash or our local fair which is called the mountain state fair uh starts up in about a week and i think i'll probably go one day but one thing that is already has already happened locally that i went to last weekend marlene and i went to the uh north carolina apple festival in hendersonville north carolina chris you you i and ac went to the apple festival 
in 20, was it 2019 that we did that? Uh, I think it might have been 2018. Okay. We did a snag situation episode about it. I could go look that up, but whatever the case, it was pre-COVID when we went to the Apple Festival. And Marlene and I went last weekend. We had a lot of fun and did fun stuff and got tasty treats. We got a uh, apple cider slushy. We got a quarter of a peck of... Uh, some apples, some honey crisps uh, that are now sitting in our fridge that we're snacking on. Uh, we got some apple cider donuts. I got a really tasty lemonade. Um, we got a fried apple pie that was outstanding. And all in all, it, it was a nice day. Um, it was very hot the day we went, which was a Saturday. And also, there were so many fucking people there. I have to say, Chris, the pre-COVID and post-COVID experiences of the Apple Festival were very unusual. Mm-hmm. When we went, the people were generally pretty nice, right? Yeah, I, I don't remember any real hassles. Yeah. I wouldn't say most people at the Apple Festival this year were not nice. But there is just a sense, even still now, that post-COVID, some people just don't know how to behave in public. And we saw some of that in in Hendersonville at the Apple Festival. Like, Well, Matt, I suspect that those people maybe uh, also didn't know how to behave before COVID, and probably during COVID as well. I mean, maybe, but they're, they're much more open with it, I guess. Like, part of it was like, so the, when we first got there, like, we had to rush to find a restroom, and we had to stand in line for a long time. And we saw multiple people just cut to the front of the line. Just just doing that. And then Mar- Marlene overheard, like just a horrible transphobic conversation behind her uh, as she was standing in line. And she gave those people the harshest, harshest look she possibly could. And they noticed. And it was just like, it kind of put a damper on the day. Like everything after that was more or less fine. Um, But it was like a weird, like, yeah, it's, it's weird how sometimes like, I don't know. I feel like COVID gave some people, license to behave in a shitty way in public and that's a bummer um but all in all the apple festival was was a fun time and uh are you saying you uh you went there and ran into some bad apples yeah like most of it was okay but these people of bad apples spoiled the bunch yeah that's that's the saying right it's not just oh it's just a few bad apples it's bad apples spoiled the whole bunch uh weird that people have forgotten that that's what that saying is. Chris, it's time to make some recommendations. What do you have to recommend? Matt, I'm going to be honest with you, bud. I have not engaged in anything new this week. <laughs> I've, I have not been sleeping well. Uh, I'm still working my way through Saints Row, which I am very much enjoying. Uh, I've been reading Dragon Ball, and I got a lot of feelings on Dragon Ball. So if people want Drabo Boko, 
uh, then by all means, let us know. But uh, I'm I, sure I they say, do. Here's what I did. Uh, here's what I did is I had to buy uh, a bunch of uh, comics to sell. And uh, so I got them from uh, in-stock trades, which has really good discounts on things that I will be charging full price for, because that is the only way I can make that money back. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, go go buy go buy a paperback. Go buy that X-Men paperback at in-stock trades, or buy it from me at the show. Yeah, do that. Absolutely but, do that. I don't even think I've watched any... I, I have been watching the new Dimension 20 season, uh, which is called Mentopolis, which is... Uh, you, Matt... Now... Actually, yes. Okay, that's my recommendation. Okay. Have you? Are you into actual play stuff at all? Uh, I still listen to the Adventure Zone. I tried to do the Dimension Twenty stuff and and sort of kind of bounced off because they're two and a half hour long videos that I feel like I have mm-hmm. to pay attention to, <laughs> like like actually focus on to know who the characters are and what's happening. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that while I work. So I haven't really gotten into the dimension 20 uh, business, but that doesn't mean I don't want to. I just haven't found the right setting to sit down and watch those videos. I, I think with some of the dimension 20 stuff, it it is always good to uh, have the visual because they have a lot of the, uh, you know, custom miniatures and custom uh, battle like settings, like all the scenery and everything, that are made by a an incredibly talented person with the incredibly unfortunate name Rick Perry. But there are some that don't really have like the miniatures element, like if they're using a different uh, system. And yeah. that is what I would like you to pay attention to, Matt, because the current Dimension Twenty season, which you can find on Dropout.tv, which is not struck. Because uh, they agreed to all the demands. So that is that is not struck content. It is called Mentopolis. And it is it takes place inside a person's brain. And so the characters are like, you know, the embodiments of uh, various aspects of thought. Uh, but Matt, it is a uh, it's a noir detective parody. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. So there's there's Detective Hunch Curio, uh, who's Curiosity. There's A. Tension, who's a reporter. That's funny. There's Imelda Pulse, who is impulsive, uh, and, and who always uh, just does the first thing that, that comes to mind. Uh-huh. Uh, there's Conrad Schintz, who is the conscience. The conscience, yeah. Uh, who has a dog named Justification. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, Hank Green plays The Fix, who is hyperfixation. Oh, I whose like job it. is it's, to eliminate distractions. So he's a, so he's a hitman. It's kind of like Psychonauts, but with a noir twist. I have heard it described as uh, Inside Out, but it fucks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, right. And that's the uh, that's the the last uh, character, unless I'm forgetting someone else. Is um, the sex drive whose name is Dan Fox. Okay, I thought it would be like Lisa Bito. 
no, no, it's Dan Fox. <laughs> uh, no, it's very, it's very funny, very good. Um, it is getting to see a game master who is not me just revel in the sheer amount of puns they are making is delightful for me. Uh, cause there, there are characters that are named, uh, uh, neurological. Uh, there's, they, they, there's a telecom company called Cerebell Pacific. It's, it's all there. It's all there. And, uh, it is both a murder mystery that is interior in that they are trying to figure out who killed Neurological, but also there is a murder mystery that is exterior because someone is trying to kill the guy whose brain they are. Okay. Uh, so it's, it's very fun. I think you would enjoy it. I think if, if I was going to recommend any Dimension 20 season to specifically Matt Wilson, I would say this Here's is Here's my one. question. Here's my yes. question. Is there a way for me just like to listen to it like a podcast? Uh, I mean, like the the dropout app actually does have a section uh, for Dimension Twenty. It's just audio only. Okay. Um, it it still plays in the same player and everything, so it's not like you know it, it is no different than than watching it. It just doesn't have the visuals. I think it's mostly for people who uh, like you can download stuff. Uh, like if you're going to get on a plane. So I think it's, it's mostly for that, but yeah, like you can, uh, I feel like that is my, that would be my preferred way to consume it because I, I just can't sit down and watch and like in front of a video like that for that long, generally just, just minimize the window, bud. But But then you, then you know what's happening. But if I'm up and doing stuff and I have headphones in and I'm listening to it or I listen to it while I'm driving or I listen to it while I'm doing the dishes, what people listen to do while they listen to podcasts, that's more much conducive much more conducive to how yes. I would probably want to consume that. So As always, we thank you for for inviting us into your dishwashing today. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, for sure. Yeah, no, give it a give it a shot if you want. Okay, I, I, I will recommend. I will. I will. Do and this is one of the ones where they're not. They're using um, the uh, a modified version of the Kids on Brooms system, so uh, it's no miniatures. They do have a very cool set that is worth looking at, like just to get the idea of what the set looks like. But uh, beyond that, very little actual like visual stuff is happening. Matt, what's your recommendation this week? Uh, my recommendation is a comedian that you can go see because I know he's on tour because when he was in Asheville on the tour, uh, Marlene opened for him and I got to meet him and he was very, very nice, uh, very friendly to meet, uh, but also just like super funny and I got to see a show. Um, it's James Adomian, who, if you are a Comedy Bang Bang fan, you probably know his many, many impressions of Huel Hauser and Jesse Ventura. And he's done a bunch of other characters. 
Um, and he has done, um, or, and he does some impressions in his stand-up set. Um, like he did a Mark Maron that was perfect on the show I saw. Um, oh, Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders is another big one that he often does. Um, but let's see, he did, he only did a couple of like actual celebrity impressions, uh, in the show I saw though. It was a lot, he did some voices, but they were kind of like in service of other stand up bits that were really, really good. Um, I just like, I think he's super duper funny. He was playing a venue here that was so much smaller than I feel like he should have been in. So go see James Adomian if he comes to your town, because he's super funny and uh, an incredibly on-point impressionist, if that sounds like something you'd be into. He's done a ton of uh, voice acting over the years. Like he's on the Harley Quinn show. Oh. Uh, I don't remember what character he voices on the Harley Quinn show, but he he is a voice on on that show. Um, and he's done a bunch of other stuff too. Um, so yeah, if he comes to your town, go check him out. Go see him live. James has known me, and he's great. Marlene opened for him. Nice. Yeah. Also. We mentioned it when Marlene co-hosted with me a while back, but it's worth mentioning again that Marlene is going to have a uh, like a short stand-up special coming out soon, and I will let everybody know when that's out and oh, dope. when they when they can go uh, click on it and listen to it. But Marlene just said September eighteenth, so that's just in time for my sister's birthday. I will be hammering you all with that link very soon. People are on the Discord asking when Marlene can do more podcasts. Well, watch her comedy special, and then we can talk. Okay? Okay, folks? Okay? Chris, with that, it's time to talk about some comics. What do you say? I think we should do it. The winner of this week's Texter's Choice Awards or I guess single award is birds of prey. Number one, a comic book that is very good. A comic book that is done by, I would say a Warlock and Ajax favorite team of Kelly Thompson and Leonardo Romero. Uh, and involves a Warlock and Ajax favorite team of comic book characters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I know Leonardo Romero uh, has done a, a lot of recent books. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I don't know why exactly I got this vibe, despite, you know, other than Leonardo Romero being on art. But we love that Defenders Beyond series that Leonardo Romero drew and that Al Ewing wrote. And I got that vibe from this comic and not just in the art, but kind of in like the vibe of the team. 
And yeah. I don't want to reduce what Kelly Thompson is doing with the writing here because it's not like Kelly is aping Al Ewing's style here or anything like that. But it has, I feel like this book has that same kind of like fun, adventurous vibe, and I'm so into it. Yeah. And it has a, a you know, Big Barda in it. Yeah. Big Barda definitely reminds me of Galactus's hot mom. <laughs> yes. In this book. Uh, here's the, the only issue I have with the team of the book or the, the team in the book is that on paper, which I guess it is what it is. Uh, I feel like having big Barda and zealot on a team, a is weird. <laughs> like just, just for me personally, that's weird. <laughs> those are, those are two comics things that I do not think should be together, but also it seems like it's, it's, Barda and a slightly smaller Barda, but I have yeah. I have enjoyed Kelly Thompson's work enough. Uh, she's great, and I am sure that like this will, uh, like the characters will justify their appearance in the book. Uh, I like why Harley Quinn is brought in because they come right up to saying, uh. Yeah, Harley Quinn's in this book because she's popular and it'll probably sell better if she's in it. Without saying that? The the way I took it was this is a team full of heavy hitters. Mm -hmm. Right? Because it's Cassandra Kane Batgirl along with Zealot and Big Barda and Black Canary. And then they have a conversation where it's like, we need an X factor. We basically, they say we need a wild card. And Cass Kane is the one who's like, Oh, then it should be Harley Quinn. And she is brought in as, as like the wild card. And that is that I found that to be funny. I am concerned because there is always the potential with Harley Quinn for her to take all the air out of the room mm-hmm. <laughs> and for it to just become, you know, a book about Harley Quinn. I mean, Harley Quinn's in this book because she was in the movie that was called Birds of Prey, right? Mm-hmm. That's why Harley Quinn is in here. If she can just be a supporting character, and I think Kelly Thompson can pull this off then it's going to be great. I just don't like it when Harley Quinn becomes the center of all the attention, which I feel like is a risk you take with Harley Quinn every time. Yeah. The, the way that she is like actually justified as a member of the team, the way Cassandra Kane explains why she should be on the team is genuinely like one of the coolest things that I have seen in a while with a, a very like a, a favorite character of mine in Cassandra can like, it's a very cascane way of do of explaining it and reasoning. And it works really, really well, but I do yeah, like justified. Yeah. There is definitely uh like an undercurrent of 
uh, the, the world's most commercialist comics magazine. <laughs> Definitely, yes. Yeah. Uh, but very, very, very fun stuff, and has... I don't. I don't want to spoil it. It's got the character comeback of the year. I mean, we do spoil it in the interview. Well, people wouldn't know that we spoiled it in the interview, except for you saying that. So no, we did. Yes. We absolutely spoiled it in the, in the interview. Oh, that's true. We did. But, we did spoil it in the interview. I forgot that we actually went into detail on in that. Uh, but it is a great comeback. Between now and listening to the interview, read this book. Yeah, read that comic. I have one complaint and only one complaint about this comic, and it is the logo. Why is that the logo? I don't even remember the logo. Let me go look at I'm it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's bad. It's like New 52. Oh, yeah. No, that's very bad. That's that's a very bad, bad logo. logo. That should be a – they should get a better logo. Please get a better logo on this book. Like, why is it a stencil? Why is it so distressed? It it looks like the fucking Men of War logo from the New 52. Please change it. DC Comics. Thank you. Uh, the next book we're going to talk about, Chris, is Fantastic Four number 11, which is a lovely little comic book. Yeah, it's uh, a comic something book. very important happens in this comic. Ben Grimm gets a dog. You should talk about Princess Masters Grimm? Yeah. Yeah. The the sensational new character of uh of twenty twenty three. It's great. It's great. It's very good. Like So essentially the plot of this comic book is that Every member of the Fantastic Four has been trapped in in illusions slash dreams that uh, they've been put in by the Miracle Man, Joshua Ayers. And Ben discovers that he's in an illusion to start with. Because he's in a house that's just fallen down a hole, and because <laughs> and because he was a pilot, he knows how to test for like airspeed velocity, like air velocity, and and like rate of acceleration of falling, and he knows how long it would take to fall through the earth, and all of this stuff, like mm-hmm. actually showing Ben Grimm having that kind of expertise, which I think is really good and that maybe only Ryan North would do. <laughs> yeah, it, it, in that way, it is definitely like Ben Grimm almost becomes Ryan North for a second and starts giving you science facts, but I do like it when people that remember that like Ben's not dumb. Like I ben, I mean ben he can pilot. He at the at minimum was like a top level pilot, so he should know about aeronautics, right? Yeah. And that's great. And so, but so he gets out of the first level of the illusion, but then there's a second level of the illusion that he doesn't know that they're in until the puppy dog uses its senses to notice that, like, the bacon is an actual bacon. 
yeah, there's a running like a running thing throughout the issue of Ben like eating and the dog not trying to get the food, which I can assure you would set my senses off. (laughs) I would be like, something is wrong here. If my dog, uh, biscuit would absolutely fall for any kind of illusion. She is, she, mm, I love her, Matt, but she is not, she's not a smart dog. (laughs) Uh, It's great. This issue is, it's, it's delightful. Like, the only thing is that Ben doesn't like the dog at first. Like he's trying to make the dog go away because he thinks it's somebody's dog. Right. Well, it's, and then it's literally on like page two when Alicia is like, Ben, I know you love dogs, but you're trying not to get close, like to let anyone in because our kids are trapped or lost in time. That's a very good justification for Ben Grimm to be a little bit mean to this dog. <laughs> Not mean but to I'm, it. Well, I mean, a little bit mean to it. Well, he he's just trying to get it to go away. Yeah. But then by the end of the issue, he's like, no, this is our dog. Look, there is I have no, a dog no greater love hath any man than that of a dad and the dog he claimed he did not want. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, finally, Chris, we're going to talk about uh, Shazam number three. Or as we were saying before we started recording, Shazam? Shazam. Uh, uh, I have not been reading this book, but I really need to catch up because this is Mark Wade and Dan Mora doing a Shazam comic. Yeah, it's also the... The genius of Mark Wade is that Mark Wade will do the story that you're like, has nobody done this before? Like, this is the most obvious thing in the world now that it's been done. And in this case, it's what if Billy Batson had all of the negative qualities of Solomon, Hercules, Atlas... Uh, Zeus, Achilles, and uh, Mercury. And so it's it's Billy, like each of the, the gods and Solomon, who gets picked on for not being a god, which is very funny. <laughs> uh, it's each of them taking a turn inflicting their their bad like their their bad qualities on him. So he has the gullibility of Atlas. And that's a really good idea. But also, it's a, it's a Shazam book. And Mark Wade's like, yeah, there's going to be a dinosaur lawyer in it. And also, uh, a talking gorilla is going to tell Billy Batson about the Emperor of the Moon. Because if you've ever read any good like Captain Marvel adventures or Shazam comics, that's the shit that happens in those. And I, yeah. I really love that. This book is like, as good as you want it to be for being a Shazam comic by Mark Wade and Dan Mora. Like, if you're going to do a Captain Marvel comic, a Shazam, now known as Shazam comic. Well, the, they call him the Captain in this. That's good. Uh, That's good. In the first issue, uh, like, uh, Freddy calls him, calls him Captain. 
And Billy's got his first person narration that's like, yeah, there was this uh, maritime incident that I don't really like to talk about, but now uh, Freddie and Mary call me call me Captain, and I've kind of stuck with it because it's a name that I can say out loud. <laughs> which is very funny. Uh, and also Mary Marvel gets called Mary Marvel, which is equally funny. I mean, that's the first instance of him being even th- anything close to Captain Marvel in in modern DC Comics, right? Because he's been sh- Shazam since the New 52, at least. Since the New 52, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, often the complaint about Captain Marvel is like, oh, he's just Superman, or whatever. Like, Superman if he was a kid. Well, then do that weird shit that was in Captain Marvel comics for decades with talking tigers and gorillas and dinosaurs. Because yeah. that's different. I, mean, I, I also believe they should be doing that with Superman, but sure. Yeah. But yes. Like do the, do the Captain Marvel shit, do the auto bender shit. If it was gosh, darn it. If it was good enough for Jerry Orway, it's good enough for you kids. Yeah. Like, I haven't seen the Shazam 2 movie, but I don't think Talkie Tawny is in it. And what are you doing? For real. For serious. The only bad thing about this comic is that there's a part where, um, like, all of his his foster family is in it, which is not an inherently bad thing. But um, every time I see Darla, I'm like, that kid has seen Dr. Manhattan's dick. Yeah. Yeah. Canonically. Canonically. Yeah, there's a there's just a there's just a cat in Shazam 2 that they named Tawny. No, there's a talking cat who takes care of all these kids named Talkie Tawny yeah. who like cooks. Yeah. In the comic put him book. in the do that. Put him in the put him in the fucking movie. If you're if you're it's cowardly. It's I'm just gonna say it. It's cowardly. It's cowardly to not include Talkie Tawny. You're you're a coward if you don't include Talkie Tawny. You know who's not a coward with their stories, though, Chris? You know who's, who's brave? Marco Stack. Marco Stack is brave. Brave enough that I worry he might say something that will make me mad. <laughs> We're going to talk to him right now. He might say a controversial take about one of my favorite subjects. Uh, let's talk to him, Chris. Let's do it. Joining us for the program this week is a, a, a well-established, I would say, friend of the show at this point. Uh, he has been on to talk about comics in the past and is here now to talk about the currently running Kickstarter campaign for The Relentless Adventure, a comic that I have some notes on. <laughs> oh no. Marco Stack is here. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I was doing great until that. <laughs> I debated. I debated whether I should say this. I'm excited. Do, do you want to do you want to give like the quick rundown on on what uh, the Relentless Adventure is because it's very exciting. Yeah, the Relentless Adventure is a uh, crossover between uh, my comic book that I wrote uh, this year, the Relentless Lark, 
Uh, you may remember me being on the show earlier this year. We did three issues. Uh, we got those out. I shipped all of them the uh, week before Comic-Con, which was a choice. And then uh, I got together with uh, the people that make Bullet Adventures, uh, a comic that also uh, is funded primarily through Kickstarter. It's written by a friend of mine named Jordan Alseka, uh, published by Altruist Comics, which is run by a really swell guy named Randy Stone. And this crossover has been long gestating. Uh, Jordan and I would send texts with little joke ideas, and we finally figured out the way to get this uh, book to the finish line, as it were. So now we're currently funding the Kickstarter, uh, which is meant to be uh, a jumping on point for any reader. So it's a prequel to both our books, no established story or character knowledge necessary. If you want to read all that stuff, I'll tell you how to do that later. <laughs> yeah. And, and it is all, I would say very conveniently available uh, at, the, uh, at the Kickstarter page. If you want to go check that out. Uh, it looks great. Looks uh, very fun. I'm very excited to see more of, of what you're doing. But a thing you didn't mention is that it is a plot point. Oh, no. And every comic book crossover has to occur in, like, there has to be a, a merging of worlds, right? Like, it, it's got to be, you know, B- Batman goes to New York to hang out with Spider-Man, or Spider-Man goes to Gotham City, or whatever. There, there has to be a decision made on where these two heroes will meet. Can you tell me where your two heroes meet in this comic book? They are meeting at a a hot new food festival in Brooklyn called Cornucopia, an entirely corn-based food festival. All right, here is my note for you. And I apologize if this was, (laughs) was, was considered already. It should be called Corn Utopia. I, I understand that note, but I feel like it's cleaner if it's closer to an already established word rather than two separate words being uh, turned into a poor man. Yeah, but if it's, if, it's, if it's two separate words, it's a pun. It's already a pun because corn is in cornucopia. That's not a pun. That's just it's in there. <laughs> it, it's still a play on words. If we emphasize it when talking, it's, it's still a play on words. <laughs> Matt, Matt, back, back me up, buddy. Take sides. Matt, I'm making you take sides. I think they're both valid. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be Mr. <laughs> Diplomat on this because I actually do like both. Okay, cornucopia, cornucopia is already a thing. And so it's like, which is not necessarily corn related, even though corn can be in a cornucopia. Corn Utopia is a hat on a hat. So I, I th- they both have uh, their upsides and their downsides, and I will have to think on this further. Chris, I'll make a deal with you. Uh, if we do a follow-up at some point, the festival will rebrand to Corn Utopia uh, with a superhero theme to recover from the uh, fact that they were attacked by a supervillain, which assuredly just derailed the festival's lifespan after that. Probably, probably so. I was going to say, I was looking at these preview pages, and uh, I was going to tell you I was going to slip Jody five bucks to, to call it <laughs> uh, Corn Utopia, but it's in the art. 
It's, yeah, it's, it is. It's, it's, uh, it's hard. It's hard coded in the art. In the art. Yeah, uh, Bianca Milanez. Uh, she really. Uh, she's the artist on this book. She liked the jokes. Uh, we put a ton of corn puns in this book. It it became like an increasing set of dares and like uh, stuff between me and Jordan, where we would see how much we could fit in. Uh, before it started to get like too saggy in the script. I mean, we haven't even revealed the mascot yet, which I'll, I'll let l- listeners know. There's a mascot uh, for Cornucopia in this book uh, called the Cobb Goblin, and we're really excited about him. We think he's the sensational character find of 2023. <laughs> That's good. That's good. And I got to say, the art <laughs> in this, it's uh, the, the word that came to mind when I was looking at these preview pages is, is Archie meets Shonen Manga. Ooh, and I love that. That's a, I that's a great way to it. describe it. Like it, it reminds yeah. me a lot of a more like action oriented Tanya Del Rio sort of style. I really enjoy it. Yeah, when uh, when it came time to find the right artist for this book, uh, it it was a lot of looking, a lot of checking to see who fit the styles of uh, both Bullet Adventures and the myriad of styles uh, that the Lark has been drawn in uh, in my comics, which you know. We're also drawn by Mike Becker in uh, Young Offenders. Uh, so we had a lot of leeway, but we wanted to make sure we fit. And Bianca Milanez is someone that I had followed on uh, the Bad website for quite a while. And she often would post uh, kind of s- sketches and art of uh, DC Comics characters, usually in types of uh, scenarios that are more low-key, slice of life. And I just thought she had the exact right vibe. I saw that she had some new sequential samples in her portfolio that were fantastic. And I reached out to her and was like, hey, would you like to do the fun issue of this book? Because I don't, I don't know if people read the previous issues of uh, The Relentless Lark. They're kind of a bummer. Uh, so I, I wanted to front load <laughs> when reaching out to someone to say, hey, do you want to re- work on one that is just nothing but fun, except for the like emotional heart stuff in the book? But other than that, mostly fun. And she was pretty into it. She liked the characters. Uh, she liked the issues that she read. And we were off to the races from there. I do love that. Like, I, I feel like there is something to be said about the the manga trope of the beach episode, you know, where you take characters that are usually, like, having a bad time, and they just get to have some fun. It, it, it helps things. It, it, it helps them feel like real characters, for one thing, I think. Like, it... <laughs> And I'm like curious as like, did you go into this being like, I gotta not, I gotta not bump people out this time? I definitely had that as the primary mission statement because uh, Young Offenders is a pretty fun book. Uh, it has its you know more serious moments, but Mike Becker, uh, who you know he he co-plots that book with me, he's a pretty energetic storyteller. He's got a lot of animation principles. Uh, it would be hard to make that book a bummer when working with him. Uh, but with uh, the Lark, I was able to follow that down some different venues. You know, that's a book about a very complicated and upsettingly uh, realistic relationship between a father and a daughter. Uh, with this, I wanted to just give readers a break and match the tone of Bullet Adventures, which uh, is a much more lighthearted comic book. Uh, it's a very fun book about a teenage girl who discovers uh, that she's inherited some superpowers from her grandfather, which does kind of drive a wedge in her family, but also gives her a chance to connect with that grandfather when he re-enters her life. Uh, it's a pretty fun book, so I wanted to make sure that readers who maybe were jumping on in the crossover had a good represent- representational tone uh, when going into that. 
There's a strain of internet fan who seems to uh, like when, when there are characters that they like, they don't want often those characters to be involved in like conflict. (laughs) And I think, I think that might be anathema to storytelling in many ways, but it does kind of point (laughs) to a sense it's very diplomatic way of putting that, Matt. I'm being a diplomat tonight. You're recording on the fence tonight. That's right. I'm sitting directly on a fence while I uh, while I record. Even when I make a statement, it is it is uh, very diplomatic. But my point is, I do think that there's a sense now that readers or or audiences generally kind of just want to see characters they like hanging out and. In some ways, that seems like a novel thing, but in other ways, like that's what comics were, especially in like the early Silver Age. There's so many comics where it's just like Batman and Superman are just hanging out, <laughs> and you know the fact that Bullet Adventures is a book where it's sort of generational, and it's not, you know, the parent is taken out. It's a grandparent and a grandchild, so the grandparent is kind of from that silver age era as well. It it does feel like a, a circular thing, right? Where like we're back to like audiences, maybe just want to see the characters. They like hanging out sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not on the bad website as much anymore, but anytime I saw like amazing Spider-Man trending, I knew I was about to read the dumbest collection of thoughts I'd ever seen on that <laughs> website, which is pretty tough. Uh, and I, I think if I'm up to date on the show, uh, we're all like pretty big fans of that book currently. Uh, I, I just truly don't understand people that say, oh, I hate this drama keeping my two favorite characters apart. Would rather have them just never have a story happen or maybe only stories that reify that domesticity that they're looking for. To me, that's that's not very interesting. Uh, you got to have your waves on that. Uh, with I think you were totally right when you pointed out that Silver Age element being brought into the present with Bullet Adventures. Uh, I really like that element of that book and getting to play with that in this issue because in kind of my head of how I write like my universe of superhero comics, there was never really a Silver Age in my mindset. Like my Silver Age is like all of the Charlton Action Heroes comics happened. It's like uh, Captain Adam happened and The Question happened and Blue Beetle happened, that kind of comic. Not what was going on at DC or Marvel. I'm trying to imagine a world where that is the case, and I cannot. (laughs) Well, can I interest you in a series of comics called The Four Watchmen? (laughs) Oh, buddy. You're trying to ruin my night, Mark. (laughs) <laughs> well, hey, I, I don't. I'm sure you've ranked all of them, but those are potential bottom shooters if they haven't been done. I'm just just going to uh, say that for no, anyone listening. <laughs> no, bud, we haven't ranked them, any of them, because because we would have had to have read them. And I did not. <laughs> they would have to be. They would have to exist. I, I a running gag on the show at one point was that we would say that those comics never happened. Uh, yes, that's true. Those comics simply did not exist in War Rocket Ajax continuity. Much like Frank Miller was lost in the Bermuda Triangle in 1993, there is no series of comics called Before Watchmen. Yeah, I only read Watchmen sequels. 
<laughs> I, I did read that I cannot one. deny having read every issue of Doomsday Clock. I have completely lost the thread of what I wanted to say about your comics, Mark. <laughs> yeah, that one has a habit of just completely destroying any good or bad thought that <laughs> preceded it. Uh, weirdly appropriate to the material, I guess. That brings me back around to like the whole kind of concept of like... You've got a limited amount of real estate in a book that you're kickstarting because, you know, you have a budget. You can't go over that budget, so you need to have a certain number of pages. And, like, clearly there is, like, a conflict with a villain that happens in this this book. How did you decide, like, how much of this would be, you know, just these two characters hanging out and having a good time before the kind of superhero conflict had to land. Uh, we approached it as thinking the, the first half of the issue was establishment in that front. Uh, not just establishments, not that we're just setting things up. We're getting the characters to interact with each other by like page five or six, having them like actually spend time together, develop a little bit of a friendship or rapport. And all during that time, we are seeding uh, our antagonist who is attending the Festival Incognito. Uh, I don't know if I said what their name is, but their name is the Zoo Chef, and they create uh, animals out of fire. Uh, they could make anything out of fire, but they like animals. That's good. Uh, That's the, good. There's some of that in the preview art, and it's excellent. It's, it's very good. I, I don't remember if Jordan or I came up with Zoo Chef. It... It might have been me because I have a sense memory of like pumping my fist when I typed the words for the first time. Uh, but we, whichever one of us did, I'm going to say we, we had a stroke of brilliance because anytime you can get a pun off that you're not sure anyone else has done before for a supervillain name, it just feels fantastic. Yeah, I approve. Zoo Chef is, is top notch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I'm, mm, that's good. That and I'll say, good. I'm available for work. <laughs> Aren't we all, Mark? Aren't yeah. we all? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that I always enjoy having you on the show and talking to you about is is the stuff that, that all three of us really are, are into. And the subject of crossovers is one that I think Matt and I have talked about uh, a few times o- over the course of the 13 years of this show. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious, like, do you, do you like crossovers inherently? I, I will say I used to have a bit of a bias against them because there was a sense that you never got quite what you wanted from them, but Correct. I don't know in the last, yeah, in the last like 10 years or so, that's just not the case. I mean, I was just sitting down and reading the uh, paperback of, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2. And that book is drawn by Dan fucking Mora for five issues. Everything you want to have happen in that book happens. They bang the toys together in all the right ways. They make some cool new toys that are permutations on what you'd want. I read that comic and felt like I got every single thing I could have wanted, plus some things I didn't expect. And it was all well-written and beautifully drawn. And I don't know. It's like something has changed and the people that publish these things are very aware because obviously a lot of these editors are huge fans of these things. The people working on them are huge fans of these things. They're being empowered to make them as good as you want them to be. 
which you you feel like maybe sometimes weren't wasn't always the case. The licensed property crossovers ha- are having like a like a real renaissance. It, like up to and including stuff like the the Batman Ninja Turtles crossovers, which were very good and gave us, you know, this is where my parents died, Raphael. <laughs> uh, which people like to like people like to post that on the internet like that's not just like a normal day for Batman to be hanging out yeah. with an anthropomorphic turtle recapping his origin story. Yeah, uh, that guy fights Killer like, Croc. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yes. Yes, he does. But the uh the superhero crossover is one that, due to the 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 feuding of of the two small factions of two very large media companies, <laughs> just like hasn't happened in like fifteen years, which is so weird when you think about it. Like if you are if you are around our age and you remember when it happened all the time. I, I, I've dug through, like, dollar bins and found uh, things that I didn't know existed. You know, Batman Daredevil drawn by, uh, I think, Chichester and, or McDaniel, and just been like, holy crap, I didn't know this existed. And, you know, maybe the story's not quite what I want it to be, but the art's fantastic. The characters look exactly the way you want them to. And you just... It's like I, I didn't even know that was a possibility because it hasn't happened pretty much the entire time I've been an active reader. Yeah, you, like it's it's that thing of you know uh, anytime there's a versus in it that <laughs> is never going to be what you want it to be because in wrestling terms they got to get their heat back like you can't ever have a definitive winner and I feel like that was the like even the big Marvel versus DC crossover leaving it up to a fan vote is nonsense. Oof. So I want I I wonder if we have truly lost anything by not having uh any like those crossovers anymore. Although New Teen Titans X Men had Walt Simonson drawn the Dark Phoenix, so that that's a point in its favor. I I I'm of that school where I I don't really want to see them fight. I want to see them team up and work together uh, because. That way they can both look good and not have to worry about, you know, that Vin Diesel, Dwayne Johnson counting the punches. Oh, do I have a bruise on my face stuff that just makes it not very fun to read because you're hyper aware of it. Uh, I, I really like the energy of those more indie superhero crossovers of like the 80s and 90s where you would have things like Nexus and Madman having a crossover issue for like no reason other than the fact that Steve Rude and Mike Allred liked each other's work. What is the what is the dream crossover that if you could have anything, uh, what would it be? Oh, oh, that's that's really tough to think about because I, I I like a lot of these books, but you know, actually, no, it's not tough. It's easy. It's easy. Invincible. Uh, Robert Kirkman, uh, Corey Walker, uh, Ryan Otley, Invincible. Yeah, hundred percent. Oh, I I meant like any other two properties, but you're saying. With, uh, oh yeah! With, uh, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, I'll be selfish and say that would be one of my two properties. I wouldn't even have to be involved. I'd let Mike do all of it because uh, <laughs> uh, Mike's a big fan of uh, of Invincible and Otley and Corey Walker's work, and you know I am too. We both read that book at like pretty similar times in our lives as teenagers, uh, and you know that you know has a I, 
think, a pretty obvious visual influence on young offenders and the way we write the humor in there. Uh, so that would be big for me. Uh, I, I guess Invincible's already had maybe one of the best recent crossovers of the last 20 years with that Spider-Man team-up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When with Robert Kirkman's brief Marvel writing career. <laughs> yeah, it was that Ant-Man and, uh, gosh, what else was he doing there? Did he do the Apes book? <laughs> He did that Marvel team up. He did not do the Apes book. The Apes book was, I want to say Carl Kiesel. I might have that wrong. He did the first uh, Marvel Zombies miniseries. Yes, with he Sean did, Phillips. Marvel Zombies, yeah. I was right, by the way. Carl Kiesel nailed it. <laughs> Carl Kiesel and uh, I believe Robert Kirkman also co-created Gravity. No, that was uh, Sean. I think Sean McKeever was on Sean that. McKeever. Okay, he created... Yes, it was Sean McKeever. Uh, I'm okay. going to go ahead and say... Freedom Ring. <laughs> Freedom Ring. Yes, okay. <laughs> just, just because Gravity was mentioned, I got to say that in, in Star Wars fan terms, he's, he's one of my glup shittos in, uh, in Marvel Comics. I love that dude. Uh, he's, sure. the, he's fantastic. They should bring him back. Uh, I'm on my soapbox here for that right now. <laughs> I Look, if there's anything that gets over on this podcast it's a third string superhero <laughs> that people remember oh yeah when, when they debuted in like a, a sideline like tsunami or marvel age and you're like that's not crossing over oh it did oh what's it in Dwayne mcduffie wrote it great oh he's dead all right <laughs> give give me give me all the characters who appeared in amazing fantasy volume three number 15 <laughs> i i love scorpion three you talk about you talk about Aranya. Oh, I am talking about Aranya. <laughs> yeah. And I'm talking about that uh, that uh, uh, weird playing card themed Luchador James Bond that Dan Slott did in that book. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know if I want to go back and read that one. <laughs> and Amadeus Cho, he's the other one. And oh. Amadeus Cho, yeah, right. Mastermind Excello himself. Yeah, yeah he, he got over. It. He, he, he was the breakout of, of all of those for sure. Matt, is there a, is there a crossover that you would that you would like? Dream crossover in comics between any two it, things. It, it, it could be any two things, but it would have to be in comics. Yeah, like the medium in which it would appear is comics, but it could be any two things. I'll have to think about it for just a minute, Chris. What about? Do you, I feel like you have one in the pocket? I mean, I don't. I, I like I ask you these questions, and you're always like, "Chris, I, I know you've got one," and I very rarely do. I'm just curious. That, well, f- while I think about that topic, I, I will go through go through Robert Kirkman's like entire Mar- Marvel. <laughs> yes, that's what this episode's about now. Yeah, it was it was that Marvel team up book. It was <laughs> two Marvel Zombies miniseries. It was a surprisingly lengthy run on Ultimate X-Men. Oh, yeah. Uh, There was Irredeemable Ant-Man, which uh, you mentioned, Mark. Yep. He he had a book called The Destroyer that I think was just like a five-issue miniseries. That was a Max book. Yes, it It was. It was a Max book. Yes, it was. Yeah. Yeah. It was a reboot of the Golden Age character, the Destroyer, yeah. Yeah. And uh, then he did a 
a story in an X Force annual, and I think that was that was all of it. That was the whole the whole thing, the whole shebang. Uh, like a candle in the wind, out too soon. Yes, actually, yes. not out too soon. He's doing his thing. He's making money. He's making stuff. He was, <laughs> yeah, he was. He's fine. He started making. He started making. Fuck you, Walking Dead TV money, and he was like, I don't need Marvel Comics anymore. Yeah, when your book does that well, they like make you a part of the company. That's that we got to hand it to the guy there. Yeah. Yeah. Like he got his own wing of image which no one else has done. Not since like well, the founders. Yeah, not since the founders. Yeah, I'm saying like he's the only non-founder to ever do that, right? Do you, do you think, think they just ripped out the Shadowline office and put him in there? <laughs> Shadowline's still going, baby. <laughs> that's, that's harsh on Valentino. Yeah. Well, I've read those comics, but uh, you guys haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's maybe true. you have a better reason to be harsh on those comics than we do. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to say, like, uh, I, I would love a... Like the uh, the easy answer is I want to I want Goku and Spider Man, <laughs> but I feel like like a like a Zelda and like another good like high fantasy uh, property would be really fun. Hmm. But all I can think of is like Zelda and my D and D campaign, which guess what I can do if <laughs> I want to. You know what would be really funny if like Goku or like Vegeta came to like Marvel New York and he still had his like power level visor thing mm-hmm. and he and he looked he got Spider-Man's power level and it was like 8 like relative to <laughs> all the Dragon Ball people who are you know 8000 for a punchline it looked like and then it turns out but no you're just like yeah but Spider-Man is not very strong by those standards yeah <laughs> That's the yeah. whole joke in my head. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. I like that. Also, you picked a good number because when uh, uh, Raditz first comes to Earth, uh, he does scan a normal guy, and he has a power level of five. Yeah. So eight so is Spider-Man, still pretty good. Yeah, is that's strong? still way stronger than a normal guy. Is he strong? Listen, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I assume the power levels work like the Richter scale, where it's like exponentially larger the higher up it goes. So that would that would be pretty good for for Peter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I'll say, Chris, just because you put the idea into my head, I would love to see those uh, amazing fantasy relaunch characters uh, in a crossover with the Gotham Academy kids. Uh, I think that oh. would be really fun. Buddy, we're going to be talking about some Gotham Academy kids uh, elsewhere in the episode. <laughs> uh, Fantastic. They're, they're, they're back, baby. No shit, really? I, I read a new appearance from an alternate timeline Maps Mizuguchi today. All right, that's how you know a character's movie. in forever, that they got the, the AU appearance. All right. Oh, yeah. that uh, I didn't even necessarily put all that together when I read... Birds of Prey, but it, that is in there. Yeah, wow, it's dope. Nice. Uh, it it yeah. reminded me a lot of in Runaways when um, uh, Gertie comes back from the uh, from the future, 
And I think that's a really underrated joke that her name in the present is arsenic and her name in the future was heroin. <laughs> like, like with an E, like a hero. But I think that's a really, like, that is a, that's the Brian K. Vaughniest joke of all time. And I, I think it's very underappreciated. All right. I've, I've discovered, I think I've decided on my crossover and I'm going to do what Mark did. I'm going to elevate one of my own creations. Essentially, I'm just going to beg Mike Mignola to do a <laughs> Copernicus Jones Hellboy crossover. <laughs> That feels like that would work tonally. D- detective, so. robot, kind of, yeah, that, that works perfectly. And I want to see him draw <laughs> Copernicus. I feel, like, yeah. I, I feel like I can't do that because anyone who wants to put Dracula in their comic has done that. <laughs> and also, I haven't written a new issue of that comic in, like, seven years, so. <laughs> I mean, Coper- Copernicus, hasn't, Copernicus hasn't shown up in, in a comic in quite a while either, but... Uh, well, you know, that's what a way to come back it would be to just be like, hey, you want to jump in? Mike Mignola's drawn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, Matt, have you considered yes. that? Have you considered getting Mike Mignola <laughs> drawn? I, I have thought about it. Yeah. I've, yeah that's, it, that's been a thought of mine. I mean, if you just get a reverse about, uh, mortgage uh, on your house, you can make this dream happen. <laughs> you know, I love K Dub 100%. But I mean, like, I'm, he would probably be okay with it, right? <laughs> I probably, probably, yeah. I'm sh- I'm sure he'd allow Mike Mignola to draw one off with Copernicus Jones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark, before we get into uh, listener questions, uh, is there any? Uh, what else are you into these days? Anything? Uh, anything good? Anything sparking <laughs> joy in your life? Uh, I don't know. Uh, joy. Uh, what's that? Uh, I don't know. All I do now is like I I like work out and I try to read and that's basically it. It's not a very exciting life. Uh, I did recently read, uh, an exceptional comic that I'll just shout out called of thunder and lightning by uh, Kimberly Wong, uh, out from silver sprocket. Uh, I, that book just kind of lit my, my world on fire. I think it would definitely hit with you, Chris. It's kind of a, uh, a magical girl scenario in a far future with mythological themes, existentialism, uh, with like a rival uh, where they're basically the only two people that can understand each other anymore now that they've been in conflict for like generations. Uh, it's super sick. It's printed in uh, Rezo colors that really pop off the page. Uh, I, I've been talking that up to everyone. So that, that's what I've been doing. I've been telling everyone about that comic. That does sound like something I would enjoy. And speaking of things that we enjoy, we always enjoy ha- having these conversations here on the show. Uh, with friends like Marco Stag. And if uh, the listeners want to get in on that, Matt, th- this has actually, there is new information on how exactly they can do that for the first time in 13 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't go to Twitter. Don't do it. it. It's over. Folks, it's over. It's over. We're not doing it anymore. Twitter is done. I'm not going to call it the name. They want us to call it. No, it's a stupid name, and I will never call it that. You know why it's such a stupid name? Because if you link to it, it has to say, in parentheses, formerly known as Twitter. They just call it the thing that you have to let people know that it used to be called. Yeah, it's because they had a brand name that was synonymous with the thing that it is. It's like if Coca-Cola started calling itself 
truck nuts. Gee. That's another thing, but yeah, I mean, if Coca-Cola started calling itself G, yeah, that's what it is. We need to put. We need to respect the fact that when Prince changed his name to a symbol, it was a very cool symbol that you could not pronounce. And you would then call him the artist formerly known as Prince, which was much cooler than having to say dumb website name previously known as Twitter. It was also which, uh, it was also a protest against a corporation. A corporation, which makes it way cooler than being a corporation. Run <laughs> <laughs> yeah. by a fucking dumbass. Anyway, Matt. Okay. What but anyway, it's over. <laughs> don't don't go there anymore. Delete your account, please, so I can delete the Ajax account. Just <laughs> just go. Instead, I'm now putting out the call for questions on Blue Sky. We have a War Rocket Ajax Blue Sky account at warrocketajax.bsky.social, uh, so you can ask questions there and. Probably the top place to ask questions is our Discord server, um, which is for only invited members. But if you ask us nicely in the many places where you can contact us, we'll get you a Discord invitation. So those are the two places now to ask listener questions of our guests. Blue Sky and Discord. So... Those are the places where these questions for Marco Stack are going to come from. And uh, Mark, our first question for you is going to come from our Discord. This one is going to be from uh, Kate Biscuit, boss dog name, on Discord. <laughs> I, who says, I saw that recently. That's good. Kate, that was good. It, got, it made me chuckle. What is the most relentless adventure you've been on yourself? A, a relentless adventure that I want to talk about publicly on a recorded podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Now, now who's being diplomatic? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Probably just the pursuit of constant growth and uh, <laughs> no, not that bullshit. Uh, the, the adventure that is this life. Yeah, that would be the good cop out answer. You know, uh, yeah. I, I would have to say there's been no adventure more relentless than uh, trying to buy. Uh, a Coca-Cola in a city where everything closes down around 10 o'clock and you just start gunning on the gas and looking for places that are still open. Uh, I have a terrible uh, affliction where I I love to drink that horrible chemical drink, uh, which I'm currently weaning myself off of. And I briefly lived uh, in like a secluded suburb in New Jersey uh, where everything was too far away. People were slow on the two lanes that we had to drive on. And, uh, yeah, that, that would probably be my most relentless adventure. It's not very exciting. You, you trying to sell, you trying to cut down on G? Yeah. You uh, can't drink that G anymore. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> we, we said Twitter's new name was like, if Coca-Cola called itself <laughs> yeah. G. Pay attention. It, it, Come on. It, it's it, a, it it's a new bit. right away. <laughs> it's a new bit that everybody loves and it's going to get over. Yeah, I, I'm sure it will. <laughs> Here's a question from TomTificate.bsky.social, Tom Spielman on Blue Sky. What was the most unexpected challenge of writing a superhero crossover? Uh, I I did this to myself. Uh, I did not want to write the crossover where we just had the characters just so happen to live in the same universe because tonally it wouldn't fit. I I didn't want to have to 
make readers think that we were going to connect more than that. So I ended up writing a very complicated first page with charts and diagrams explaining how their universes orbit around a direct center uh, of the universe, and they were going to overlap for a period of 20 clicks, uh, which is 20 pages. Uh, And during that time, they would coexist on the same Earth, and I had to fucking draw shit, and I'm so mad that I did that. Uh, No one made me do it, but I had to rationalize why they were on the same Earth for 20 pages. That sure is writer style. No one made me do the... But I had to do it, and I'm mad I had to do it. This thing that no one made me do. The big problem was I had reread Multiversity like not long before that. So I was like, man, that motherfucker did an entire guidebook. If I do any less than one page of absolute stuff that no one but me and the the type of nerds that are like me are going to care about, then I'm just not going to be able to live with myself. You know... We all have these brains now, and I don't even just mean writers. I mean, like, people who consume media have these brains now where it's like, well, how did X get into Y universe, and what explanation do you need, and whatever. Man, in old comics, like, They'd just show up and be there for an issue, and then they wouldn't be there next time, and it wouldn't fucking matter. <laughs> we, we might be able to say that Super Comics started getting kind of wonky when we had people, Marv Wolfman, start explaining these things. And maybe they got less fun and less good at that point. A, a deeper discussion for another time, but absolutely. <laughs> Mark, how old are you? I am 28 years old. Yeah, at 28 years old... Uh, I'll tell you the secret that 41-year-old Chris knows, uh, which is that it's okay to not do as much as Grant Morrison. It's okay. (laughs) You'll drive yourself insane. You don't have to hold yourself to that standard. Stone Cold HCC, an account that exists only to ask questions on War Rocket Ajax, on our Discord, because Stone Cold is there now. How Stone Cold got an invite, I'll never know. Uh, We were debating that very thing. Yeah. Stone Cold wants to know, y'all think Cyborg Superman had one robot testicle and one normal one? (laughs) For the balance. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I believe, if I am remembering my Hank Henshaw lore correctly, that they they would be both robotic. I think they should each be like... Cyborg Superman himself, partially mechanical and partially flesh. So that whole thing where, like, you can see part of his, like, you can see the Terminator face. That you uh-huh, that, exactly. It's just like on every roughly spherical part of his body. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Stone okay. Cold, for helping us recreate a Mulrats bit in the year twenty twenty three. We've actually we've, we've actually <laughs> delved into that territory. Even more recently, uh, when we talked about uh, superhero genitalia, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, well, that, but uh, let's let's keep it moving. Uh, Meriwether, the boss cat on Discord, wants to know who's your favorite Pokemon. Uh, I like the bag of garbage. Trubbish. I think it's yeah. Trubbish is great. Uh, great attitude on that one. Uh, honorary mention to Gengar. Uh, Big fan of that fella. Yeah, 
I mean, you know, those are two of the goats. It, you know what? I respect choosing the Pokemon that is a bag of trash. That is that is a good pick. Trubbish, Trubbish is good. Trubbish is good. Yeah. I, I just uh, really like the Pokemon that go back to the older theme of the first 152, where by the end of that Pokedex, they start getting real fucking weird. And they're like, I don't know, it's a bunch of eggs. And just They start finding things that it can be. And I think that's a really fun, like, who cares, like, element to it. Yeah, it's it's different. I feel like a lot of like more recent Pokemon, and I say this as a non-expert, but it's like a lot of more recent Pokemon is just like this one's a dog. <laughs> I'll tell you, the legendaries in Sword and Shield are the biggest letdown I have ever experienced <laughs> because they are just dogs oh with God. things in their mouth. Yeah, yeah. Is a dog with a sword? What is? What part of that's not good, Mark? <laughs> I thought this was agreement. You're like, no, this dog that has a, a sword mouth is actually really unique and cool. No, Mark, what part of a cool dog that has a cool sword is not dope as hell? Please explain to me what in your philosophy has rendered okay. that not the coolest shit of all time. It, okay, the coolest shit of all time would be a vapor blade in its mouth. That's true. That's true. Get on that, Nintendo. I actually don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't think that would Pokemon work very well. <laughs> Pokemon is for children. I don't want to put promote that to them. But Chris, I think our point is Pokemon were like like creative before. <laughs> and there's it, it's no. it's cool. A dog is cool. But that's kind of not what Pokemon are about. Have you not? Do you not? Have you not heard of Growlithe? <laughs> so you're saying it's redundant too, Chris? I, I hear you. Yeah, it's an excellent point I'm in our say, favor. I, mean, I am saying that I never need them to be like, "Hey, have we done a water duck before?" I don't think we have because they seem to do that a lot, and I wish they would not do that. But like, there's there plenty of there plenty of just shit that's other animals in that first set of 151. I, I, I do think my least favorite There's Pokemon... There's a bird called Pidgey. That's true. <laughs> I I do think my least favorite Pokemon are the ones that are just like regular animals. <laughs> yeah, I uh, like the creative ones that are weird. The Tim Rogers joke of, uh, <clears throat> of of having Pokemon or pocket monsters or Pokemon and regular animals or Reguon. <laughs> I am like so legitimately angry about this slander accusation, the sword dog. Well, then, then we better move on. Uh, yeah. Jolene, 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 Jolene on our discord <laughs> wants to know what would be your major in Catwoman's school of crime? Oh, uh, my major in uh, Catwoman School of Crime would be embezzlement, uh, and I would get a very high-end job at, at, like, Warner Brothers or something. Taking the Prince route of sticking it to that corporation. Yeah, uh, just to take a line from uh, uh, my, my friend James Leesk, who I think you guys also are friends with, uh, embezzle. Embezzle from them whenever you can. Yeah. Chris, what would be your major in Catwoman School of Crime? Apparently, getting real mad about this, <laughs> this dog stuff. You really can't. Uh, you really can't push forward. 
Did you look at the gif I sent you? <laughs> I'm, I'm mad now. I meant to. What would my major be? Uh, I don't know. What crimes am I good at, Matt? <laughs> uh, stealing hearts. I don't think that's true. That was flattery. That was flattery, is what that was. That was flattery. I, I have, I have, I think, done that exactly once. <laughs> <laughs> that's all that matters. I don't know. Like, uh, I think general general hinching would be we good. Like, like you know, all rounder, all rounder hinching. Okay. Yeah. What, what I, about I you? like that. Seems like you've got an answer in mind. I want to be a gentleman cat burglar. That's okay. Yeah. My dream in life <laughs> is to be a gentleman cat burglar who like has like a curly mustache. I'll tell you what. I don't know if we have any criminals who are listening out there, like professional criminals. And I'm not, if you are a listener of this show, I do not want you to get caught. However, I do feel like we need to have more criminals who leave calling cards at the scenes of their crimes. And I feel like if you're not doing that, like, what are you doing? Yes. Yes. More criminals should have manners and things that they do out of a sense of uh, decorum. I, I didn't realize how big of a fan, Matt, you, you must be of Arsene Lupin. <laughs> oh, very much so. Very much so. And, and also, you know, um, who really was like my first example of it, I think? It was David Niven in the first Pink Panther movie. With his... See the first Pink Panther movie if you haven't. Is that the movie with uh, Steve Martin? No, 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 I'm, I'm no, fuck, no. I'm fucking with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for letting me know. Hey, our guest has been Marco Stack. Mark, please let all our listeners know where they can back uh, the Relentless Adventure and w- anything else you have going on. Uh, it's simple. You can go to Kickstarter.com. Uh, don't look at anything else. Go right to the search bar. Ignore all the beautiful pictures you see. And I want you to type in The Relentless Adventure. And you're going to see an image of uh, two young women in costumes holding corn at a food festival. That's our book. And I'm going to want you to click on that. And then go to the rewards and look for the largest uh, reward you can find. Then I need you to select that and put in a bunch of add-ons. And then you can check out. And then after that, once you've done that, you can just go right over to Blue Sky, uh, and you can follow me there at markostack.bsky.social. Our guest has been Mark O. Stack, uh, who I will not thank for being on the show, uh, (laughs) because I am mad now on behalf of my beloved sword dogsation. Uh, Mark, you have been on the show. Glad to be one of the first people being banned this year. Thanks, Mark. (laughs) Once again, Marco Stack was on the show. (laughs) Thanks, Mark. Hmm. You can get that from Matt, not from me. You two, teaming up against me. Conspiring. (laughs) That does it. We've, we've We've done a full show. We're full time. We are. This one, this one ain't going to penalty kicks, everybody. We're at full time.
we we have had a fun one. We appreciate everybody listening to the episode. Uh, we've got several more guests coming up over the next few weeks, so hang around for them uh, before we can get back to some jergies. When we get through our run of guests, don't worry, folks. The jergies are coming back. It's, it's, it's going to be jerky time once again. That's right. That's, we're, we're done. That's right. If you would like to email us, you can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on Tumblr. We're at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. As I mentioned earlier, we're on Blue Sky at warrocketajax.bsky.social. And uh, we have a Discord that you have to be invited to, but if you ask us nicely for an invitation, we will provide you with one. Uh, so go uh, hang out on our Discord if you want to do that and you want to ask questions on the show. That is one of the only places now that you can do that. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. Warrocketwiki.com is the fan-run repository of all the information you could ever need about this show, War Rocket Ajax, and uh, you can get tons of info there. You can find all of our lists over there on warrocketwiki.com. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net. It's where you can find links to my comics, my books, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it will uh, it, it will take you to everything that I've done. See you next week, everybody. See you next week, everybody. Uh, we're going to be back with another uh, another returning guest, a good friend of the show. Uh, very excited about it. Uh, until then, though, please do not forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. As are abortion rights. And drag is not a crime. And cops, they're not your friends. But we love you. We love you. Yeah!